All right. Hey, uh, we began this year asking the question, what if? And I, you know, I, I just wonder how many of us uh, look back at times and wonder, you know, what if? What if? What, and sometimes it's that things are going well, and so you begin to ask yourself, gosh, what if I had begun doing this earlier? What if I, or maybe, you know, th- you, you're thinking, what if I'd stopped doing that earlier? Uh, uh, and, or maybe, you know, things are going badly, and you're wondering, what if I'd done that differently, or what if I'd not done that at all, you know? And, and so, um, with that, so, like, here's a question. What if, um, what if, so if, if things are going well, and I've got some friends who are eating better and exercising more, and so the question they're asking is, what if I had started eating right and exer- exercising earlier? Which, by the way, is the only way to do it, just so you know, the healthy way to do it. But what if I had started eating right and exercising earlier? What if? Uh, that had happened. You know, maybe you're asking yourself that as well. Uh, in the honor in honor of the Super Bowl week, I wondered this week, what if the refs hadn't missed the call? Do you, you know what I'm talking about? If you don't know, I'm talking about this call right here. And I thought to myself, gosh, I hope they're getting a new crew, you know, for the game today because the crew that week... Uh, You know, we just wait to show stuff like that. I'm just saying. Uh, hey, if this is your first Sunday with us, thank you for being here. Uh, I met a guy last hour who was here for the first Sunday. He said, I've been trying to be here for like four weeks. You kept closing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if it's your first week, thanks for being here. Uh, uh, my name is Mike, and, and I hope that we can be an encouragement and a help to you Uh, to grow in your faith. That's what we're all about, helping you. If you haven't begun your journey with Jesus, to begin that faith journey with him, and if you have, we just want to help encourage you to grow in that. And if you are watching this online, uh, thank you for joining us there. And uh, I know, so our nephew, Jaron, who was serving in the military overseas, not going to say where, just, he watches every week. And I want to say, hey to Jaron, and to you and your buddies, thank you for serving our country and being there today so that we can be here um, today. <clears throat> so, and here's kind of the thing that I want to make sure that we do is uh, I want us to be asking some questions as we get into the middle of this year. So June, July, there's some questions I hope you will be asking. When we get to the end of the year, some questions that I hope you'll be uh, asking yourself. And one of them is this. What if, uh, what if each day I, I'm just becoming more like Jesus. I mean, how would that change my life? How would that change the lives of the people in my home, in my neighborhood, at my school, in my workplace? What, what kind of difference would it make if I make this decision, just ask Jesus to change me to become more like, you know, uh, Romans 8.28, uh, 8.29, that we are uh, predestined. God predestined us to become like his son, Jesus. What if what if we did that? Or what about, what if, what if because of us using our abilities to serve, God moved in this big way at MCC and in our community? And for some of you who are, you're already serving. And so kind of you're wondering if this question's for you. What if your next step in your faith, what if the next step in your faith is you go from serving to leading in a ministry? So maybe that's your next step. Or if you're here today and you are not involved in serving, if you're not, you don't do anything, you come and it's been helpful, and you've listened and sang and grown, and that's great. But what would God be doing through MCC right now? Here's kind of the question. What, what would he be doing that he's not because you're not using the gifts he gave you to be used for that? 
And what if, what if all of us, what if, what if because all of us made the decision that we are going to be in the game? We're not going to be spectators. We're not going to watch. We're not just going to listen. We're actually going to jump in and make it happen in the name of Jesus. What would God be doing because of us? And what if, what if uh, we make this decision? What if we, because each of us, making this difficult uh, decision to get out of debt, uh, God could use our resources uh, to further his kingdom. And just so you know, please, when I ask a question like this, please understand what's behind this question, because I know that there are some of us here this morning, it just, you, you're in a place where it feels impossible. You see this, and you think, it's impossible. And I know exactly what you're feeling, because I have felt that before. But what if we made the difficult decisions, and listen, it's so easy to get into debt. It's so hard to get out of. Not impossible. Feels impossible. It's not impossible. The enemy tells you it's impossible because he wants to keep you there. But what if we made the hard decisions? What if we, what if we did the hard work? And because of that, because of us, we, we, and then we pointed, right? We pointed uh, not, not what we wish we had because this isn't about if I had what they had, then I would certainly be doing that. It's not about that. It's what, what God has entrusted to you, not what he's entrusted to the person next to you or the person across the street or a person across town. It's what he's entrusted to you and what he's entrusted to me. What if we use what he entrusted to us and not what's left over? I read somewhere that you will never change the world on what you can spare. I've read that. I believe that to be true. But what if we pointed the strength of the resources that God has blessed us with and we pointed it all at his kingdom's cost? What would happen because of us if we did that? Or what if because of our prayer to God asking him to use us? I mean, we make a real difference in someone's life this year. Someone that we maybe don't even know, right? I mean, we, none of us maybe know this person. And, and at the end of the year, there's this divine intersection that God set up. He set up this meeting between us and them. We didn't know it. They didn't know it. And at the end of the year, they look back and they see they are in a totally different place than they were at the beginning of 2019 just because we said yes, because of us, because we allowed God to use us. Or what if, what if because of what we ask God to do through us, what if our city becomes a place of hope? A place, a place that, that people inside the city begin to understand what it means and that no living here is a different experience. And, and, and there are places outside of our city who look at ours and, and they wonder how in the world, right, where did they, how did they get to where they are from where they were and, and how, to, how do we get what they've got? And then, and then we get to find out, they get to find out it's because of Jesus. This whole thing is happening because Jesus, we're listening to Jesus' voice. So we begin to ask what it looks like. Uh, it, what if what if each of us, right? And then we talked about what if uh, all of us, and then we talked about uh, today we're going to talk about what if because of us. So if you have your Bible, Matthew 4 is where we are. Uh, and we've been sitting in this passage for this this whole series last, uh, well, for this three, the three weeks we've been doing this um, over a five-week period. But um, I know, I'm not bitter. Uh, but what, so we're looking at Matthew 4. We're sitting in that. If you have your U version on your, your phone, go ahead and, and open that. Uh, you'll find us in the events page, and you can follow the notes for this morning. But Matthew chapter 4, beginning of verse 18, uh, is where we've been sitting. So let's look at this one more time. While, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, that is Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, 
follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. And then he went on from there, and he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with their dad, mending their nets. And he called to them, and immediately they left the boat, and they left their dad in the boat, and they followed Jesus. And so if you've missed the last couple of weeks, uh, I want to encourage you to go to our website and check them out. These verses, again, if this is your first week here, one of your first weeks, this is where we get our definition of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And I know, uh, and I mentioned this last week, I just want to say it again, that's not a 21st century American word. It's not one we use a whole lot in our culture. At least in this country, we don't use that word a lot. But the Bible calls people who are following Jesus disciples, literally. Literally, a disciple is a student who wants to be like his teacher. And so, Jesus' last words at the very end of Matthew, this is the end of Matthew, Jesus is about to ascend back into heaven. Easter has happened, so resurrection, he's appeared to people, he's about to leave. These are his last words during his earthly ministry to his followers. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I'm telling you what, I'm always going to be with you, even to the very end of the age. And because these are Jesus' last words to his followers, it seems important that since we're all supposed to be disciples and our task is to make disciples, that we ought to understand what that means together. We should, be, we should all understand that in the same way. So at MCC, we say when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus, we say that a disciple is someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. I made some really cool fill-in-the-blanks for you to fill that in uh, so that you don't forget that. I really want to make sure you've got that. And to make sure we're all on the same page, week one, we were talking about what it means to follow Jesus. Not just going to church, but following Jesus. And I want to make that distinction, okay, that, that because going to church is part of following, being the church is part of following, but sometimes in our culture, we've just watered the whole thing down and we just say a Christian is someone who goes to church, and that's not what Jesus said at all. But it's part of it, but it's just not all of it. And I want to make sure that we understand that following Jesus doesn't mean we tell him our plans and then ask him to bless them. If we're following him, he's the leader. We're asking him what he wants us to do. We're asking him to show us and appoint us and to call the, make the agenda, set the agenda for our lives. And so we asked these questions that first week. Have I made this decision to follow Jesus? And I hope that question haunts you. If you've never made that decision, I want this to just bother you to pieces. Until, because the Holy Spirit has been working on your heart. He's been tap, tap, tapping, and he's been wanting you to respond to Jesus. And I hope if you haven't, that you will. And if, you've, if you haven't made this decision, why haven't you? What is keeping you from doing that? Why wouldn't you want to follow him? I know there's a cost. It costs everything. It costs everything to follow him. I get that. It's hard. Following Jesus is hard. There's some difficult things, hard, tough decisions we have to make. I get all of that. You've, if you've never been on the other side of those decisions, you have no idea what, the, what, what, we, what happens in your life because of that. I want to encourage you, if you've not made that decision, the Bible says we make this commitment to Jesus in the waters of the baptistry. And if you've never done that, please, please, please let us help you. And here's the third question from that first week. If I did make that decision, am I still following? In other words... 
just making sure you haven't slipped into, I go to church and I'm a Christian. That's what it means, because that's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Following is not about sitting. Following is about going. Following Jesus means following, you know, him. And so I want to make sure we do that. Week two, snowmageddon. We didn't meet that week. Two weeks ago, we froze out. Can't get over this weather. Some of you have seen this picture. There are some guys in our neighborhood uh, who got out and took care of their neighbors uh, in this way because they determined even though they couldn't go to church, that didn't mean they couldn't be the church. And I hope you took advantage of that as well, and you were the church in the lives of people, whether it was this way or some other way. You were the church in the lives of people. We also had some other families do this that week. They took their children sledding, and I, th- I want you to see this. This is super important. Please don't think shoveling snow is the only way you can be the church because if you're going to be the church in your home to your children, Perhaps the most Jesus-y thing you can do on a snow day is go sledding with your kids. I, you, listen, that's, I'm not kidding. That's, you, that you need to spend time with your kids and show them how important they are to you just because you're a follower of Jesus. All right, so last week we looked at what happened when the number of Jesus' disciples began to grow. Remember, first Jesus asked Peter and Andrew to follow, and then the week after that we looked at the next couple of verses where James and John followed Jesus. And if you weren't here last week, I'm going to ask the question I asked last week. And if you were here last week, maybe you know the answer to this. Why did James and John follow Jesus? Does anybody remember why they did? Because they were invited to. They were asked. They were invited to follow Jesus. So here's the next uh, couple set of questions that we ask. What if we determine to invite other people to follow Jesus with us? Again, just going to say it one more time real quick. I'm not saying invite them to go to church. That's not what it is. It's more than that. It is that, but it's more than that. It's not merely that, okay? So it's part of it, just not all of it. But what if we determine to invite others to follow Jesus? And what if we invest our resources together? What if we as a group, what if all of us pointed our resources at the cause of the kingdom? And what if, what if we actually uh, take care of each other? So this week we wanted to see what the effect was on the community. Because what, we've, what we have seen so far is that Jesus calls two sets of brothers and they determine they're going to follow him. And the very next verse that follows uh, says this in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him, listen, it, you couldn't keep this quiet. It spread all over uh, Syria. And the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed. And Jesus healed all of them. And then large crowds came from Galilee and the Decapolis, the ten cities, and Jerusalem and Judea and the region across the Jordan. And they they, they all followed him. And would you agree that because of the decisions that Peter and Andrew and James and John made about being individuals who would follow Jesus, and then collectively they said, they made this agreement that they wanted to be used by Jesus however he wanted to use them. And my guess is at this point it's not a whole lot. I mean, it's still early on. Most of that's going on, it's all Jesus. Okay, But they are with him and they're learning. But because of that, Here's what I want to make sure you catch. It's on your notes. People's lives were being changed by Jesus because these four said yes to following. And yes, we will do this together. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna follow you and do whatever you want us to do. And the, listen, the ch- this isn't about the church yet because the church hasn't begun. The church doesn't exist yet. This is the seed of an idea that, that Jesus is planting and showing these guys how to do this. And it's not until you get to the book of Acts. 
that the church even begins. And so this is just kind of the beginning of the idea of what will happen in the book of Acts. So in Acts chapter 1, the church begins, and in Acts chapter 17, here's the result. Uh, uh, and I want to show you in the King James Version, I read this as a kid, Paul and Barnabas specifically, but the, the church, early church as well, this is what was said of them. These that have turned the world upside down, they've come here. And I'll tell you, so they were the people who had turned the world. The church in 17 chapters is already just turning the world on its head. And I'll tell you, this was not a compliment. They were complaining about the church because they were changing things so much in that culture, but they had this reputation of turning the world upside down. I put a quote on your notes. Clarence Jordan, author, founder of Koinonia Farm, said this, It's difficult to be indifferent to a wide-awake Christian, a real-life person of God. And it's even more difficult to be indifferent to a whole body of Christians like this. You can hate them or you can love them, but one thing is certain, you cannot ignore them. It isn't so much what they say or what they do. The thing that seems to haunt you is who they are. You can't put them out of your mind any more than you can shake off your shadow. They confront you with an entirely different way of life, a new way of thinking, a changed set of values, a higher standard of living. In short, they face you with the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, that's what's going on in Jerusalem in the first century. And what had started in this one city has begun to spread throughout the world. It was a church. The church in Jerusalem was beginning to make this difference. And what if, what if, because we as individuals make the decision to follow Jesus and to be changed by him ourselves each day for the rest of our lives, and what if, as a church, we determine to invite others to follow Jesus with us and we invest all of our resources and point them together and we actually care for each other? What happens in our community? Here's the question. And when you read this sort of stuff in the Bible, I sure hope you ask this. Is it even possible this can happen in our culture today? And these kind of things that we're reading about. Can people's lives be changed that much? So I've asked Rusty Toadvine, who leads his Hope Ministry here in Miamisburg, to join us uh, and to share what happened in his life because of who Jesus is and has been in our community. Thanks, Rusty. I didn't just wake up one morning and say, you know what, today I think it's a great idea. Today I'm going to be a heroin addict. That's not what I said. I didn't just wake up one morning and say, you know what, today it's a really good idea. I'm going to be a drug addict. That's not how that worked. That's not how that worked at all. As a teenager, I slowly began to make decisions that pulled me further away from the heart of God and the people of God. I slowly made decisions that, that pulled me away from the people that loved me and cared for me, from friends and family that, that truly cared for me. Brought me to a place where I laid in a hospital bed at the age of 21, strung out from heroin, hurting and addicted, broken. I had stolen, I cheated, I had lied to all of my family, my mom, my dad, my sisters, my grandmother. And I laid in that hospital bed, hurting and broken. I laid there and I looked back over my life and I was so disgusted with who I'd become that I began to just come unraveled. I, I became suicidal. I just mentally couldn't handle it. And it was there in that hospital bed by the grace of God that he began to remind me of the people 
that he positioned in my life, even while I was saying, I don't want anything to do with you, God. I don't want anything to do with people that are going to love on me. I don't want nothing to do with that. He brought to my remembrance the, the Sunday school teacher over there on Miamisburg Assemblies of God on 6th Street that would, was faithful to be in there every Sunday, and I'm sure some Sundays because I was there, she probably thought, ooh, I don't know if I want to be there or not, but she came anyways, and she shared the heart of God with me. She, she shared that, that the God of all creation loved me, that he cared for me, that he was willing to enter into the, the mess called my life, loved me enough to die for me. You know, as a little six, seven, eight-year-old, that didn't make sense to me then. But I remembered that when I laid in the hospital bed at the age of 21, and it began to make sense to me. I thought to myself, wow, God, maybe you do love me. Maybe you care for me. I remembered another story as I laid in that hospital bed. I was in a church parking lot, actually, doing a drug deal. I had got my drugs. I I put them in my pocket, and I went to walk the other way, and I ran right into the Miamisburg chaplain. Yeah, he's right there. His name was Jewelry Hire. He, he told me, he said, I know you're only here for one of two reasons. That's either to see me or to buy drugs from the neighbors. I thought, whoo, I didn't have much to say. I put my head down, ashamed of who I'd become, and I, I walked away. Later in my teen years, I... I was still living uh, at my parents' home, 18, 19 years old, and just consumed with addiction. My mom had a friend. Her name was Sue Wolf, and she's actually a member here at MCC. She, she chose. She chose to follow Jesus. She, she chose to, to say, I'm going to love God no matter what the cost. I'm going to love the people around me no matter what the cost. And, and what that meant for her in a practical sense was one day as she was praying and seeking God, saying, God, what do you have for me today? God laid it on her heart to grab a God's promise book from her bathroom, bring it to my mother and give it to her. My mom gave that to me. And I remember laying in bed at night, reading through God's promises, crying my eyes out, thinking, could I ever change? Could I ever change? As I laid there in that hospital bed at the age of 21, I, I had to face the mess that I made of my life, but at the same time, I remembered that there was these people that he had positioned in my life that had counted the cost, that said, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. I'm going to enter into the messiness of society, and it was my life. It was a mess. They were willing to love on me in spite of my stupidity. And I laid there in that hospital bed, and I cried out to God. I said, God, if you're real, here I am. If you're real, here I am. Do something with my life. And I believe that on that day, the God of all creation looked down. He found the filthiest sinner. It's me. That he rolled up his sleeves, and that he reached down and he picked me up. And he began to whisper words of identity into my ears. He began to tell me, you're forgiven, son. I love you. We'll never leave you or forsake you. I, I care about you. I want to do life with you. It was shortly after my time at the hospital that I walked into the doors of a ministry called Teen Challenge. To be honest with you, I thought I was going to another rehab to get help. But what I found at Teen Challenge was a community of people that were willing to lay it all down for the sake of Jesus. They were willing to love on me in a crazy, awesome way. And that rubbed off on me. I was at Teen Challenge for a year, and before I knew it, I was really beginning to count the cost and lay down my life and say, God, whatever it is that you have for me, 
Whatever you have for me. I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to follow you to the ends of the earth, God. What do you have for me? That year went by very quickly. I completed Teen Challenge, and I came back to this city, Miamisburg. Grew up here. And I found out that a lot of my friends had passed away, and some of them were in prison, and that this darkness that we call addiction was beginning to consume the lives of people that were very dear to me. I was hurting for them. But I, I remember telling myself, God, your word says that you are at work in your world. Your word says that you're doing things in your world. You're putting back together broken hearts. Wherever you're doing that in this city, I want to be there. That's where I want to be. I want to be a part of your mission and what you're doing. Before I knew it, God was giving me the opportunity to just share my story with people that were hurting, local churches, with businessmen, and I just shared his heart. It was easy. I just thought, well, he changed my life. I'll just tell everybody. And I began to do that. And what I found out is there's a whole lot of other people in this city that love God, that are committed to him, that want to follow after him, that are growing in their love for him and, and their love for other people, that are caught up in his mission, that want to be a part of what he's doing in this city. And I'm grateful that my path and your path here at MCC has crossed paths. Thank you, MCC. Thank you for your willingness to love on an ex-drug addict like me and all the men that, that we get to impact through His Hope Teen Challenge, the women that we get to impact through His Hope Teen Challenge that have struggled with addiction. Thank you for partnering with His Hope the way that you have. Thank you to all everybody in here that's volunteered their time at our fall banquet. Thank you, Mary, for a lot of times rallying up the troops to do that. Um, thank you during the holiday season for slowing down and identifying a need in this community Addiction is rampant in our community. Thank you, MCC, for taking the time to say, you know what? We're going to grow in our love toward God and our love for others. And we're going to do life on mission. We see this need. And we're going to be willing to share our resources with a ministry like Teen Challenge. Thank you so much for your willingness to count the cost and say, nope, I'm going to give to a ministry that's willing to share the gospel with the world. Thank you. Pastor Mike, thank you for your willingness to sit with a crazy person like me and encourage me. The time that we've got to have lunch together, the times that we've talked on the phone together, he's just been an encouragement to me personally. My wife will tell you I need it. I need it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, just for a moment. So... Um, so the first hour, just so you know, first hour, I uh, gave Rusty the check uh, from our Christmas offering. And uh, so you know, because the total cost of the remodel of the duplex was 17, just a little over 17 and a half or something like that. And uh, on our, the check we were able to give him was for $8,716.71. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and so thank you for doing that. And he said, do you want me to give you that check back so that I, you can give it back to me again second hour? Because... Because we do that sort of thing, you know. Uh, and I said, no, 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 don't do that. Because, and he, I didn't tell him why. And it's because I wanted to give him a set of keys. Because some of you know, uh, well, no, actually none of you but a couple know that you heard about the need of his hope. And you said, uh, one of the guys I was talking to said, this was bugging me. And uh, it's in the back of my head because I had this truck I needed to do something with. And I didn't know what to do with it. And so you've already got the truck. Yeah, there's a van that is being donated as well to his hope 
because of folks here at MCC. So, thanks, man, for Thank working you. here. <laughs> Thank you. So that's, that's super exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there are three of us here at MCC that are part of a group that is just kind of forming. Uh, it's called Hope for Miamisburg. That's the name we've kind of landed on that, are, that we've adopted. And a, but apparently there were people in the business world, people in our government, local government, uh, church leaders, parachurch organization leaders, uh, who were all asking the same or a similar question, different words, but what is it that God is wanting us to do in our community? And it's interesting that we all just began asking it at kind of the same time. And Katie Frank, who is one of our city leaders, uh, she was hearing all of these questions being asked, and she thought, well, let's get everyone together and see what, what happens. And so uh, we got together to see what God is up to in our city. And part of our group is a guy named Danny, uh, who uh, was telling some of the stories about what God has been doing that he has got to be involved in. Just so you know, Danny is one of those guys who can fix anything. I mean, if you give him a stick, a piece of gum, and a marble, he'll take care of, you know, any problem you've got in your house. And so he had gone to this guy's house to take an estimate to him about some work that this guy wanted done. And he said, while I was there, the guy said, hey, I have this white stove that we don't need anymore. Do you want it? And he said, I don't. I don't need a stove. I don't know anyone who needs a stove. So no, no stove. He said, on the following day, I took my wife shoe shopping at Jefferson Outlet because, and he went because he really wanted to stop at Werner's Barbecue to eat there. So ladies, if you ever wonder why we're really okay with going there with you, there we go. How many of you have been to Werner's Barbecue? Yep. Kind of know what he's talking about. All right. So uh, they get done shopping and his wife said, hey, I'm hungry. Can we go someplace to eat? He said, I went totally blank. I could not, I didn't even remember if there was a place I wanted to go. He said, I even asked my phone. Is it, you know, restaurants near us. It just kept coming up with fast food restaurants. So they just left. And they're driving back home. And as they're getting close uh, to town, uh, his wife said, hey, we could stop at Cheddar's on Wilmington Pike. So he said, okay. And they pull in. And the line at Cheddar's is out the door. And he says, what about this place next door, Bagger Dave's? And so they went in there. And he said, we're sitting there. And our server just kept talking to us. She was so happy. They didn't know this lady, but she's so happy they're moving to this better neighborhood. Her and her, her two little girls, they're moving in on Monday, and she had been saving her money for this move, and they had bought this, you know, used refrigerator, and they had a used washer and dryer, and they had this microwave that they were really excited about. And my friend said, well, what about a stove? And she said, well, I just ran out of money, but I'm going to save up and try to get a stove. But we're really excited because I think we can make it on this microwave. And he said you know, I think I know where your stove is. And he said, I texted my friend and asked about the stove, and he said she could have it. So the following Monday, she was off work. They were able to take her the stove. And he said, we took in this white stove, and we walked into her kitchen, and guess what color all of her appliances were? I said, isn't that interesting? God isn't just interested in taking care of needs. He actually wants to match colors, you know, <laughs> in the kitchen. His comment was, my friend said, it wasn't just that my wife needed shoes. God needed this stove moved from this guy's house to this lady's house. They didn't know each other, so he needed someone to go in between them. He said, the lady who received the stove said, God sure does love me and my girls. So my buddy Danny can tell story after story like that. And I said, what in the world, man? You, it's, it's, 
living, listening to him is like living in the book of Acts. And I said, what is it with you? And he said, I just wake up every day and I tell God, whatever it is you want me to do today, I'll do it. You just show me. And he's just got some freaky stories uh, that, you, I mean, it's just incredible to hear. Listen, people were healed, housed, fed, and befriended. And those who were looking found a place that didn't expect people to be sinless, but they did expect them uh, to repent of their sins. And they didn't expect people to be faultless, but what they did expect was for them to be faithful to God. And people in the first century wanted to be part of a church where God not only made a difference in their life, but through them made a difference in other people's lives as well. And so I just have to ask, don't you want to be part of a church like that? Who's not just willing to go through the motions and show up for an hour on Sunday? but who are asking God, people, the church is asking God, will you make a difference through us, in our lives, through our lives, and would you once again turn the world upside down? And so, into January 6th, on January 6th, we made these bags available truthfully. We had them in December, so I took mine home in December. And, uh, uh, and, and I thought, I'm going to li- get one of those lists, and I'm going to do my part. And so then I took that, when I took that bag home, I set it by my time with God chair. I just laid it on the floor, and I started praying for, you know, the bag. And, and, uh, and, and I, 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 as I was praying, I began to look more closely at the logo. Our mission, our calling as a, as a church, as God's people, to love God, love people, and to live on mission. And I just stared at those words, and so my prayer began to change day after day. It evolved over days. I began to uh, pray. I was praying for the bag, and then I started, I started praying for the food that would be put in that bag. And then, and then I started praying for those in our congregation who would bring the food in. And then I thought, no, 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 I need to be praying for the people who are going to receive the food that we bring in. And then I thought, I, thought we need, I need to not just pray for the people, I need to pray for the difference that God will make in their life. And then I prayed, maybe. God, is it possible that you are going to use this food that we're bringing in because we're saying yes to you, are you going to use maybe this food to help someone who had no idea? They don't know God. They don't care about God, and they don't think God cares about them. Are you going to use this to help them come to know you and love you as much as you love them? And then I decided not to take just one list. I took them all. (laughs) And not because I just have a whole bunch of money laying around my house I didn't know what to do with, and I thought, well, I may as well get groceries. Uh, it's not because I'm the guy up front talking, but it's because I believe that God is going to do something in proportion to how we give. And I thought, what if we, what if all, what if we all love God? What if all of us decide we're going to love people? What, what if all of us decide we're going to live on mission? So um, we have these for you. Uh, today. And you, you, listen, you don't have to take one of these if you don't want to. It's not that big of a deal. Our junior hires are out in the parking lot putting them on your car anyway. Uh, <laughs> kidding. Kidding. I don't know how they got on your car. Uh, here's what my hope is, uh, because these our folks will have them at the doors as you're leaving today. Uh, here's what my hope is, that when you see this, it'll make you think about your next step. You know, as I walked through this morning what we've been talking about, here's my hope. My hope is there was a question that bothered you. I mean, just kind of stuck in your crawl, just really got on your nerves. It was just sitting under your fingernails, you know, and just getting you good. 
Um, and maybe for some of us, it's about, have you made that decision to follow Jesus? And honestly, you're sitting here, you've been coming to church for a while, maybe months, could be years. There have been people who come to church for years, never make a decision. And maybe, maybe that's the question that's bugging you today. I need to make it, I need to commit my life, not just go to church, I need to commit my life to Jesus. And the Bible says we make that commitment in the waters of, bapt- of the baptistry. And so if you've never done that, please let us help you with that. Or maybe, maybe the question is, are you still following? You, maybe you started to follow. Are you still? And if you are, that's awesome. And if you're not, maybe if it just, as our culture has affected you, it has just changed into you just go to church. And, and please, please don't let that be true of you. Be the church. Don't just go to church. Uh, and so maybe that's your question. Or maybe it's about serving. Or maybe it's about investing your resources. Maybe it's about caring for the people around you. Listen, it, it, this is just a reminder for your next step of faith. And each week we get a reminder. It, so we're getting ready for a time of communion. And so this, everything about this is about because communion is a time where we examine ourselves and we ask ourselves, is God really on the throne of my heart? And if he is, what, are, what do I know about myself this past week that when I look at that, I go, God, I am I'm so embarrassed and sorry for that. And I'm going to assume you have those moments because I know I have those moments. It's a time for us to say, you know what, God, I thank you for not requiring me to be perfect or sinless. Thank you for loving me and helping me to become more like Jesus. And I pray that you will help me take my next step in my faith. That's what this time is for. Examine yourself and make that commitment back to God again to follow him. And taking your next step, whatever that needs to be. Let's go to him in prayer. God, thank you for a time. Every week when we get to stop and remember, Jesus, what you did for us on the cross, that, God, you would allow your son to be a sacrifice, brutally murdered on our behalf. And, Jesus, you willingly, you allowed that to happen for our sake, not because of something you had done, but because of what we had done that we couldn't undo. So, God, thank you for that. Jesus, thank you for giving us. And, Holy Spirit, thank you for guiding our thoughts during this time that we might focus on who we have been and, even more importantly, who we can be. If we'll just listen to you and allow you to guide us, allow you to lead us, that we would allow you, Father, to call the shots in our lives. Use this time, we pray, as we say thank you, as we remember And as we point ourselves forward and look toward what you have for us, because we say yes to you. And Jesus, we pray all of this in your name. Amen.